The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It's uh, six minutes after seven o'clock, and welcome to the Monday night edition of the Employment Law Show. Yeah, John Pincus is the guy in the hot seat tonight. The uh, phone lines. Look at that. Already open. 416-870-6400. You have questions about your employment, COVID-19 stuff, stuff not related to COVID-19, severance questions, uh, being laid off, all that stuff. Bring it on. Would love to talk to you. 416-870-6400. It is a live show, of course, on a Monday night, and your contribution makes it all that much better. I know we'll get to a few things tonight, including your emails, help at employmentlawyer.ca. And anytime we're doing the show and you can't catch the show, you can go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. That website is free. It is anonymous, and there's a wealth of information there for you at your fingertips. You can uh, go there, do your snooping around, and then just turn off your browser. Nobody knows you are ever there, or there is a contact button at the top right. Again, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Week that was, uh, Johnny, what's going on, pal? I got a couple situations that uh, I think are going to be uh, probably pretty interesting, hopefully, for our listeners, and hopefully we'll remind them that uh, if they have people they know uh, that have similar situations or they can relate to this themselves, then they can give us a call and we can talk about their situations on air or we can certainly talk to them off air as well. So the first situation I want to talk about involves someone who had been working for a company for around five years as pretty well a salesperson, although they didn't officially have that title. Now, the company they worked for recently decided to cut down their workforce, uh, so they terminated his employment and offered him two weeks' pay if he signed a release. Now, of course, anyone who knows the Employment Standards Act is going to say, well, hang on a second, that, that seems like it's less than his minimum entitlements. Well, it is, but as it turns out, this individual was being paid as a, quote-unquote, contractor. Yes. Now, right, there. so, it, of course, it is correct that true independent contractors are not entitled to severance pay, but like we talk about on this show very often, just because you call someone an independent contractor does not necessarily make it so. So here's what I found out about this person through a fairly lengthy discussion. Well, first of all, he'd never worked for anyone else for the five years that he was there, exclusively working for them full-time. He had a company email. He reported to a manager. He had performance reviews. He was told where he was allowed to sell. He was given yearly targets to meet. The company gave him a vehicle, all the tools he needed to do his job, never hired anyone to help him, and perhaps most tellingly, this is someone who had a 12-month non-competition clause, which just, of course, would fly in the face of any notion of him being um, independent. Um, so all things considered, really looked like he was more of an employee than a contractor. But at the very least, he was if he was a contractor, he was clearly dependent on them. And what the law says is that when you're in that situation where you are, you have that level of dependence, then you get treated the same way from a severance perspective. So in fact, not only was this person owed more than two weeks, he's likely owed closer to six months pay. Now we're going to be working on getting him a better severance package and this is likely going to be a significant amount. Now the second situation involves someone who was um, working for a uh, marketing company um, in uh, downtown Toronto Um, and recently as a a result of the pandemic um, the company decided that they don't want an office downtown anymore and so they're going to move to Kingston which is where the owner lives. And they said, don't worry, employees. Uh, They said, we're going to take you all with us. 
Now, this particular individual who'd contacted me had been working there for about 10 years. He had two kids. His wife is a doctor, has a practice in Toronto. So picking up and moving to Kingston, not an option for him. No kidding. Right? So that's what he told them. Well, too bad, so sad, they said. Leave or uh, you have resigned. Well, that's when he contacted us. And I told him, look, try to reason with them. Uh, maybe you can work something out where you continue to work remotely after the move. Uh, and he tried that. But no, the company had no interest in this. So when the day came to move, they simply told him, okay, are you coming? He said, no, I can't come. So they said, okay, you've resigned. You've abandoned your employment. We're not going to pay you any severance. Well, this, of course, is total nonsense. Uh, and actually, they're going to owe him a substantial severance package. This was clearly not a reasonable move for him. And his uh, decision not to move is not abandonment of employment. This was right. a termination. Uh, so I should just be clear about a couple things here as a bit of a disclaimer. Now, obviously, every case is going to be different. And anyone facing a forced transfer, whether it's uh, as severe as this or more or less severe than this, absolutely must contact an employment lawyer if you want to know your rights, if you want to make an informed decision. Not every forced transfer is going to give you the right to say no. So if you really want to make uh, an informed decision, you speak with an employment lawyer. But here, uh, clearly this was not reasonable. Clearly this was a termination. By the way, that number uh, to reach out to John and the team, one 821 5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca. Yeah, you mentioned that, not every situation. I guess it all depends on the person as well. I mean, you know, we've talked about this before. If you and I worked at the same place, you walked and rode a bike uh, or at least drove and say drove your car to work, but I had to take four buses. I mean, if that workplace moved 10 kilometers, might not be a big deal for you in a car, but for me, it could be another hour plus, right? That's a different situation. Yeah, you're absolutely right, John. And it also depends on, for example, if they're giving any compensation. So if you right. are an employee who may not be making a huge salary, uh, simply the cost of travel could be a huge portion of your overall compensation. So if the company is forcing you to incur this cost and they are not compensating you for it, that's really akin to a reduction in pay. Uh, so these are all things that we consider when uh, advising about the viability of a case for constructive dismissal um, or, you know, just the viability of declining uh, to take the move and treating it as, as, as a termination. Again, the lines are open here tonight. Live show, as always, on a Monday. You want to call in, ask a question for John. You can do that as it pertains to your employment, the place where you spend the vast majority of your living years. If you count up hours, would be your job for most of us, right? 416 870 6400 that is the way you do it the aging workforce i'm assuming you didn't uh, have me in mind when you brought this topic about tonight but that's okay it's okay no of course not john you're forgiven with my gray beard appreciate that uh first one uh first point here we want to talk about aging workforce because this is a topic we don't cover often enough so i'm glad you did that uh, what can employers do with older employees who become well we'll say less productive yeah, this is a very tricky issue for employers because um, you really, obviously, uh, employers are by and large sensitive to the fact that um, older workers are vulnerable. Um, the we'll talk about sort of what what not to do first of all. Right. I mean, the the, right. the worst thing that you can do, uh, and I see employers do this, and they and they think they're doing it innocently enough, but it is a violation of the Human Rights Code, is to go up to one of these employees and say, you know, Bob, I really think it's about time for you to retire. You want to think about retirement, maybe. <sighs> it's not your role to do that. That is the employee's decision, not yours. Now, if you as, a, as an employer have your own reasons for um, having to get rid of that employee, this is not 
not to say, of course, that you cannot get, a, get rid of your older employees. You absolutely can, and employers do this all the time, perfectly legally, uh, as long as they pay a proper severance package. Um, but in certain cases, um, if you are putting it to that employee that really what you're doing is pushing them into retirement, that's when that's going to become a problem. So what can they do? Well, the first thing they can do is if you're finding they're becoming less productive and you suspect maybe there's a medical issue at play or that, you know, they're mentioning a medical issue, you've got to ask them if they need accommodations. If it's simply a performance issue, they're not performing the way that they used to, you want to gently offer some coaching. I wouldn't recommend starting this as a performance improvement plan because a performance improvement plan is by its nature fairly disciplinary, right? And you want to at least start with a soft approach, particularly if you're dealing with a long service employee. Uh, it's not going to look good if the first time your employee doesn't perform, you immediately slap them with a you know, 30, 60, 90 day performance improvement plan. So right. you want to start gentle with some coaching, offer them help, offer them some assistance. If it gets more severe, that's when you start to go into performance improvement plans. And you have to be doing them in good faith, right? You have to actually give them a chance to improve, give them some time over several months, several uh, performance improvement uh, plan, um, you know, stop gaps in between to right. give them a sense of how they're doing. And if it is truly untenable, then that's where you want to consider a termination, of course, is you have that right as long as it's not because of their age, but because of their performance. But in those cases, you probably want to treat it as a termination without cause because chances are that's probably what it's going to be. By the way, you want to reach out any time if, uh, if you're in this situation, you're either an older employee or you're an uh, employer in this situation or one similar. You can do that any time. The email is help at employmentlawyer.ca and one eight five five. 821-5900 is the uh, the number off air to get a hold of John or Lior and a member of the team. So what should an employee do if she or he is, is struggling at their job at this point? They're getting there, right? Right, right. So, you know, this is this is a tough issue for employers. It's a tough issue for employees, too. Uh, so if you're an employee and you're finding yourself on the other end of this coin, other side of this coin, uh, the first thing you want to do is ask for some assistance. If there's uh, consider, you know, if there's some new procedure that's been introduced or some uh, something new that you're not used to ask uh, for help, ask for training, right? You don't want to say, I'm not doing this. I haven't, I've never had to do this. You want to be cooperative uh, because that's going to reflect well on you later if, if we need to go back into this history. But you do want to ask uh, for assistance if, uh, if that's what you need. Um, consider, you know, if there's something health-wise that's holding you back, is there something outside of work that may be contributing to uh, the fact that you're struggling? Consider talking to your doctor, maybe getting a uh, medical leave of absence. And if you are in the situation where you are struggling and you're receiving a performance improvement plan and it's, you know, and the performance improvement plan is fair and, you know, the, con the concerns they're identifying are genuine and this, this really is a problem you're having, make it clear in writing to your employer that you're committed to improving, ask for their assistance, talk to them, keep the discussion open about what you can do to improve. On the other hand, if you don't agree with the performance criticism that you're getting, put it in writing. If it's coming to you out of the blue, then right. you want to you want to say that because later on that may be helpful in establishing that maybe your employer didn't have good intentions here. Maybe your employer wasn't engaging in bona fide performance management. And the way that you can do that is by objecting early and objecting in writing. 416-870-6400 is the number. We'll uh, take a quick break here. want to get to one because we've got so much more to get through and some emails as well. I'll give you a chance to line up a phone call. 416-870-6400. This is a live show. It is for you. 
Give us a call. Ask your questions. John Pink is here for the remainder. This is Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back indeed. 721 Monday night. Welcome to the show. Feel free to call 416-870-6400 with your employment matters. Would love to talk to you. Help at employmentlawyer.ca is the email address as well. We are uh, dealing with the aging workforce. Another question for you, John. Can an older employee be disciplined if they can't quote unquote keep up anymore? You know what I mean? Yeah, well, the short answer is Yes, sometimes. It it really depends on the context. Now, someone not keeping up is not necessarily going to be because they're older. So if an employee, if you as an employee are one of the older employees and you're being told that you're not performing and you're not keeping up um, in, in the sense that, you know, you're not coming to work as often or, you're, well, you should be coming to work consistently. Uh, let's say you're not um, performing at the high level that you used to be. You're not putting in the same effort that you used to be. Um, you're not getting as positive results as you used to be. I mean, an employer is not prohibited from criticizing an older employee just by virtue of the fact that they're older. What they can't do is they can't do it because they're older. Now, what's one thing that's really important to remember here is that even if part of the employer's criticisms of the employee is um, due to performance, even if 99% of that em- employer's criticism is due performance, if even 1%, any part of that decision, is tainted by motivations relating to their age, that is going to be a human rights violation. That is wow. enough to render it a human rights violation. So the fact that your employer may have some genuine concerns with you doesn't necessarily answer the question here. So one of the things we're going to be looking at is, is your employer refusing you training? Is the employer suggesting that you retire? Has the employer made some comments about the fact that you're older, the fact that you know it's not, used, it's not worthwhile investing in training or, um, or, or performance management in you because you're going to retire soon anyway? And then they start criticizing your performance. Well, that is clearly going to be a human rights violation, even if it is true that your performance is going down. So it really will depend on the on the situation. 416-870-6400 is the number to call through. Ask your questions. Greg, thanks for uh, for stopping by. How are you? Good, guys. Thank you. Uh, you I just have a question. I was supposed to settle on my severance. I had spoken to a lawyer there, and we are going to file on September 4th, but then the government stepped in and extended the date to January 2nd. Um, do can you explain a little bit about that? Why that yeah. happened, and, and yeah. does the government have the right to extend that again? Yes. Well, so this is this is a predicament that many people are in right now. That uh, what was originally going to happen is all these individuals who were on temporary layoffs were going to have those layoffs expire on September. 4th, or rather the deemed leave of absence was going to expire on September 4th, and by that point, uh, the employer would arguably have an obligation to reinstate those employees. Also, those would become more typical kind of constructive dismissal 
layoff cases without um, the additional factor of it being a, a special case of COVID. So basically, you know, to, to put it simply, after September 4th, all these cases were going to be simplified, right? They were going to be clearly a termination or, or more clearly a termination, even though arguably they still are, it was going to be much simpler after September 4th. Now, what happened was, is the government said, well, we don't want employers to be faced with this choice of having to reinstate employees or pay them severance, so we're going to, we're going to extend this period until January the 2nd. Now, does the government have the right to do that in answer to your question? Yes, they do. Under the Employment Standards Act, they have the right to make that change, and they could change it again. So you actually have a decision to make right now. Um, if you have any interest in going back to this company, then you may want to wait to see what happens on January 2nd. If not, you may, and you should speak with the lawyer that you're dealing with about this, but you may actually still be able to bring a case for constructive dismissal now. Because what is going to happen is, for employers, even those that um, go the full, you know, even if you wait until January 2nd, that employer may turn around and say, okay, now we're going to put you on a layoff. And then 34 weeks from that point or 35 weeks from that point is when you may end up uh, being at the crossroads again. So you could be in limbo for a very, very long time. And this may actually be the time that you may want to make that decision of, Am I going to go back to this employer or am I just going to look for a job elsewhere? And if you are just going to look for a job elsewhere and you're done with this company, then you may want to file a claim anyway, even though it's a little bit more complicated than it was going to be originally. When I spoke to my employer after I got the news from uh, that we wouldn't be able to file for the severance, and they basically told me, you know, maybe you should look for another job. Mm -hmm. uh, you need to do what you need to do for yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, they, they have no real intention of bringing me back. Yeah. So well, I just don't don't know which I, don't, I really don't know which way to go here. Is it is it taking a risk if I file now, earlier than January second? Am I taking a chance? Well, you know, whenever whenever you take legal action, you're always taking a chance, right? But um, yeah. it it really sounds like they are not going to be calling you back. And if that's the case, then your case is going to become very simple because eventually it's simply going to become a deemed termination under the Employment Standards Act and under the common law, in which case it really should not be controversial that you are owed severance. Uh, it's just a question of how much they're going to be willing to pay at that point. So I, I would say that on balance, given what your employers has said, it probably makes sense. Uh, to commence an action so that you you know you're not left in limbo for the next year, which could be what you're looking at at this point. Uh, so that that is probably the course of action that you want to take, and I would definitely recommend uh, you speak with the uh, the lawyer um, who you've been dealing with uh, about this. Okay, thanks for your help. You're welcome. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate uh, appreciate your call. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. It's just like that. Make that phone call. Get some answers. That's how quick it can happen. Got uh, Gord on the line. Hi, Gord. Thanks for standing by. Good evening. Excellent. Um, uh, great topics tonight, as always. Uh, Thank you. I'm I work for a unionized company, and our company has decided to move two hours where I reside, and. Um, Really, we're not getting in any information other than that the move is happening. We have our jobs if we want them when we get there. But what can I do? I can't move because of my family. I can't move because of my wife's job. So yeah. do I have any recourse, even if the union's not 
working for me. <laughs> well, see, that's that's the issue. You you really hit the nail on the head uh, at the end there, Gord. Which which is that you you are bound by the union, who is uh, your advocate. Uh, by virtue of the collective bargaining agreement. So right. if the union goes to bat uh, and uses the powers that they have uh, in the collective yes. bargaining agreement to um, to take issue with this or to arbitrate it, uh, to negotiate it with the employer, then great, you know, that the union hopefully will be in your corner. But yes. if they do not, there's very little recourse that you have. Um, typically, you are not able to get counsel. The only thing that uh, you're able to do um, is to bring a duty of fair representation um, application, and that is extraordinarily difficult uh, to do right. and, and very, very rarely uh, recommended. So as a practical matter, no, I, I, don't, I think if the union doesn't go to bat for you here, um, there's probably not very much that you're going to be able to do, unfortunately. And this is the trade-off we always talk about with unions versus non-unions. Unions are are great when you're employed. Uh, they can, you know, they can fight for more benefits, and they can uh, they can, in some cases, actually prevent you from losing your job uh, and maybe yep. fight for reinstatement. But when it comes to the end of that relationship, that's when you kind of get the the other the flip side of this, which is yeah. that. Um, <laughs> You know, you you actually find yourself in a, a worse predicament uh, in many cases than non-unionized employees. Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, thank you very much. Appreciate you taking my call tonight. For sure. Uh, thank you, Gord. Appreciate you listening, and uh, feel free to call back anytime and reach out. You know that number to breach John or Lior if you need at another time as well. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. Still got lots of time. You got lots of time for your calls. As a matter of fact, four one six eight seven zero. 6,400. There you go. Aging workforce. We're going to keep this uh, conversation going. Can an employer terminate an employee because they become older or less productive? Terminate. Right. Well, the, the, the question is, is it because they're older? Is it because they're less productive? Or is it right. because they're older and they're less productive? Gotcha. If it is the first one or, this, or the third scenario that I just listed, if it's that they're older or it's they're older and they're less productive, that's going to be a human rights violation. Because like I was saying earlier, it only has to be a part, no matter how small a part of that is, if it's any part of the decision to terminate, that is going to be a human rights violation to some degree. Now, we should all know, all employers uh, who are listening, anyone who owns a uh, you know, business, whether small business, large business, you should know that mandatory retirement was illegal as of the end of 2006. So for employees as well, if you're being told to retire, you do not have an obligation to do that, generally speaking, with rare exceptions. So one rare exception is if the employer can prove what's called a bona fide occupational requirement. So, for example, if you're in a kind of position that you need to be in peak physical condition to do the job, there's a safety concern beyond a certain age, and that's substantiated by medical practitioners. There may be a valid reason to require people to, to not work after a certain date. But by and large, for the vast, vast majority of people, if your employment is being terminated in any way because of your age, um, that is going to be an illegal mandatory retirement, uh, and that's going to be a violation of the Human Rights Code. And, uh, you know, while we're on the subject, uh, uh -huh. you're probably going to be owed a substantial severance package as well, which is probably really the primary thing from a financial perspective that you want to think about. 416-870-6400, not just this topic. Ta call in for anything uh, employment-related if you uh, you want to. By the way, you can go anytime to employmentlawyer.ca to catch past radio shows and links to our television show as well. Happens on the weekend on uh, Global TV and CTV as well. Aging workforce. If an employer has no choice, they got no choice, man, but to terminate an older employee, 
What type of severance should they expect to have to pay? Could it be enriched? Right, right. So this this is really the, the, the key question from a financial perspective. This is probably the most important question that we've gone over tonight uh, so far, John, because, you know, many people come to me and all they want to talk about is their, you know, the potential human rights violation. And that's totally understandable because that, that's what really hurts. You know, if you feel like you've been let go because of your age, that that's really going to cut at, at, at your identity and, and uh, it's going to be particularly offensive. Now, the law does award damages for that if you can establish it. Um, but even in those cases, most of the time the severance is going to be worth much more, particularly if you're someone who's um, much older, uh, if you have a high-level position, and uh, or I should say if you've been working there for a long time. So, you know, what do we? Ha what severance should an employer expect to pay? That employer is going to have to look at, at many things: years of service, nature of the position, how how much compensation are they earning? What are the marketplace for those positions uh, at the time they're letting this person go? You know, among other things, did they recruit that employee? Uh, sometimes you have a short service employee that is uh, older um, that are going to be owed a disproportionately high amount of severance, uh, particularly if they're in a job where, you know, you're earning uh, an above average salary. So, you know, there's there's no uh, fixed answer to this. Of course, we have the severance pay calculator that's online. We have the pocket employment uh, lawyer online. That is a very good place to start uh, before speaking with one of us. So we can we can talk about the, the liability uh, if you're an employer or the entitlement <laughs> if you're an employee. Uh, but uh, it, it will vary. Chances are, if you're an older employee, that's going to be a factor increasing the severance entitlement. 416-870-6400. got time for calls. Bring them on. Now, the, uh, the other side of that is if you're an employee and you feel that you were let go because of your age, what do you do? Well, again, the first thing that we want to think about is what's the severance package you have been offered because much as there may be a human rights issue that we will for sure want to canvas, uh, the primary, uh, you know, the, the, the big entitlement here is typically going to be the severance entitlement. So first thing you're going to want to do as an employee is you're going to want to speak to an employment lawyer. Do not sign anything. Do not wait two years to do it. There is a two-year limitation deadline from the date you get the notice of termination. Also, one thing that I should mention, uh, because many people who find themselves in this situation, they want to go right to the Human Rights Tribunal of Ontario, which you can do for the um, ageism aspect of those cases. But if you are, uh, if you've just been let go, and that's the reason you want to bring an age discrimination case, don't go to the tribunal before speaking with us, because very likely we can deal with those two things together, which is a much more streamlined and much more efficient way to deal with it. So. You know, the general point here is you've got to speak to an employment lawyer first before you sign any documents, before you take any actions on your own. That number, by the way, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Use it, reach out, help at employmentlawyer.ca as well. I want to get into a little bit of, uh, you know, employment law, true and false. We do this from time to time, and it's always good to go back through these and, and refresh uh, every so often, I, uh, number one, I don't need a lawyer to help me get full severance. I can just call the Ministry of Labor. There's an easy one for you. Yeah, if this was Jeopardy, I think this would be at the $100 level most likely, oh. John. Maybe, maybe, maybe totally. we, we might even have to make an exception and call this the $50 question. That's right. Uh, because, of course, we deal with this so, so often on the show. And, of course, the answer is that this is false. Um, you, If you are uh, let go and uh, you want to get a severance package, you cannot simply call the Ministry of Labor because the Ministry of Labor is not authorized to give you advice on your full entitlements. They can't do it. 
Um, they are only legally authorized to talk about the Employment Standards Act, which is your minimum entitlement. The, the Ministry of Labor um, is an important resource for certain issues, holiday pay, vacation pay, outstanding wages, overtime. If that's the only thing you're dealing with, then the Ministry of Labor is going to be an appropriate place to go. But when you're talking about termination pay uh, and you want your full severance, that's when you have to speak to an employment lawyer. That's when you need to speak to an employment lawyer. My employer can fire me to cut costs because they want to hire somebody new or because I was late for work or because I wore the, the wrong color socks to the office. What do you think about that? True or false? Contrary to popular belief, this is, is true. true. Yeah. Uh, the employer can terminate your employment for almost any reason. An employer is almost unfettered in their decision to, to let you go, uh, with the exception of things like we were talking about earlier, ageism. Of course, they can't let you go to, to try and push you into retirement. But if it's because they didn't like the color shirt you're wearing, if it's because you know this is very common, you got in an argument with them, um, they're not going to have cause for dismissal in those cases by and large um, so they are going to owe you a severance package but that is the obligation right and when we're talking about a wrongful dismissal many people get the impression that a wrongful dismissal means well it means they were wrong to dismiss me because they didn't have the right to dismiss me that's actually not what a wrongful dismissal means a wrongful dismissal um, is and it is basically an inadequate severance package it's wrongful in the sense that they haven't given you enough notice to give you time to find a new job and they haven't paid you enough uh, if they haven't given you notice so that you can find a new job so that's their obligation to pay the applicable amount of severance and typically nothing more than that we're talking about employment law true or false in the meantime you want to ask a question on the phone 416-870 6400 is the way to do that. My employer can change my level of pay and workload now eh, whenever they want. They are the boss after all. I don't know if this one's I don't know if this one's super fair, John, cuz I don't know if huh. this is a, if this is a, a full on true or false here, right? right? I mean, there there are certain situations where that is absolutely true. Employers can make certain modest changes to your pay. Uh, they can make certain changes to your benefits and they can certainly make certain changes to your workload within reason. Um, but if they're going to make those changes, there is a limit to how much they can do. And if those changes are going to be significant, they may have to give you notice of those changes. Uh, and if they don't give you adequate notice of those changes and those changes are significant, that actually can, in some cases, form a constructive dismissal. But the big caveat here, and I cannot emphasize this enough, do not do anything before speaking with an employment lawyer and do not wait to speak to an employment lawyer. You have to find out what the best course of action for you is, and you have to find out as soon as possible. You can wait a week. You can even wait two weeks. Do not wait three months to do yep. something. Time, time is of the essence, indeed, mm -hmm. with this stuff. And that's uh, it says one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. by the way, to reach out to John or a member of the team. Going through a couple more of these of our employment law true and false here tonight. They are completely different severance rules for federally and, and uh, provincially re uh, regulated employees. True or false? Well, if we're talking about full severance rights, then the answer to that is false. Now, if you look online, many people you will will first see that there is something called the Canada Labor Code, and there's right. something called the Employment Standards Act. So, yes, for minimum entitlements, there are two different regimes that apply. There are two different administrative regimes for enforcing those minimum entitlements, and there are some different rights that apply from a minimum entitlement standpoint. 
but when we are talking about your full severance entitlements it doesn't matter whether you are working for a software company or a railway your entitlements are the same when we're talking about you know the severance pay calculator when we're talking about are you entitled to six months pay or 12 months pay or 18 months pay uh, you'll notice that is not going to change if you are a federal or provincially regulated employee because those rights are the same. Let's get a couple emails here. Sharon's up. She says, hey, guys, I've been late for work twice uh, without a good explanation, and my employer just fired me. Am I entitled to severance? I've only been employed there for three years. That's that's fairly harsh. Uh, a little bit. I mean, maybe if they were really late and they and they showed up to to work in a clown suit or something, <laughs> um, but <laughs> and uh, you know and they were and it's a public facing role, yeah. I guess maybe. But outside something like that, uh, it's going to be very difficult to justify um, a what we call a termination for cause in these circumstances. Uh, justifying terminations for cause for absenteeism uh, and lateness. Uh, really is going to require a very, very high standard of coaching, uh, performance improvement plans, and opportunity to improve, and a sustained, sustained pattern over a very long period of time. So it is going to be the exception to the rule that these cases are cause for dismissal. And based on this brief description, notwithstanding the fact that, Jaron, I know you've, you've only been there a few years, and of course that is a factor we look at, but because it's only twice, um, even though you may not have had a good explanation, um, it's, it's unlikely that's going to be caused. You should definitely be calling us because you could be entitled to severance. And depending on the nature of your role and, and how old you are right now, that could be a very significant severance package. We'll get to Aaron next. Aaron says, guys, my employer just gave me a choice of resigning or taking a termination. Which is better? Yeah, I've, I've heard this this question a few times, actually. And, you know, the first thing, Aaron, that you need to know about this is your employer has not actually given you a choice. Um, if your employer has said you either resign or you, you know, quote unquote, take a termination, then they have terminated your employment. Uh, and the way to respond to that is simply by saying, look, I, I don't have any intention of resigning. I, I want to continue working here, assuming that's the case, assuming that you don't actually want to resign. Uh, and, and if you say that and your employer says, well, no, then we're terminating your employment, then that's a termination and you're going to be owed severance. Now, if you resign and there's any question as to whether that's voluntary, that's going to complicate your case. So I, I would not recommend that. Now, you may decide, look, I really, really need a reference letter from, these, from my employer, um, so I'm, I'm going to take the resignation. But remember that in the context of severance, your employer is going to want you to land as quickly as possible. So they're not going to do anything to make that job harder because that's going to be very foolish of them. So if they terminate your employment, I would ask for a reference letter anyway. Uh, but generally speaking, you know, is resigning or, or termination better? Well, termination, you get severance. Resignation, if it's voluntary, you don't. Get to uh, Isabel here. Isabel says, uh, guys, how many years do you have to work before you're qualified for severance? Oh, man. Uh, well, the answer to that, uh, Isabel, is, is really zero. Uh, yeah. There was one case, uh, it's actually out in, uh, in British Columbia, but uh, this was uh, litigated by one of my colleagues, Leah, where we had an employee who was employed for six months and received a severance package of six months. So these things can happen. Now, that, that was a, a bit of an outlier, uh, but people with very, very short uh, short periods of time of employment can still be entitled to severance. Even if you're only there for a couple of months, certainly if you've been there for, you know, just under a year, you are still going to be entitled to severance. 
We'll get to Vincent here to uh, to wrap up the show tonight. Vincent says, uh, by the way, the email address that we use uh, every time is help at employmentlawyer.ca. Vincent says, what happens if my employer finds out that I have been bad-mouthing them after I, after I was let go? After. Well, Vincent, strictly speaking, with respect to your severance package, um, unless you've signed an agreement with a non-disparagement clause, uh, your severance entitlements would still be alive because an employer cannot justify a termination based on what has happened after employment ends. That being said, um, if you are saying something bad about them and it's not true, um, then that employer may have a case against you for defamation. Um, So what I would strongly recommend people to do um, try and keep any negative feelings you have about your employers uh, to yourself. Now, it may not affect your severance package. Um, your entitlement is going to be exactly the same, uh, but it could cause some unpleasantness between you and your employer that really just doesn't need to be there. Severance negotiations typically are amicable, uh, typically are resolved quickly, and by doing that, um, you, you could slow things down and complicate matters. So that is very much to be um, advised against as much as possible. And we'll leave it there for another night. We're back in here Wednesday night, same time, the weekend shows, and uh, we'll do the TV shows as well. Uh, Employment Law Show and Disability Law Show happen on weekend mornings here on uh, Global TV and CTV. To reach out now to John or Lior, member of the team, no problem, 1-855-821-5900. Email address is help at employmentlawyer.ca and always consult pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Absolutely free and anonymous and a ton of information there for you as well. But do not go anywhere. Keep your radio cranked. Alex Pearson coming right back. On Point is on the way. Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.